This is the Youth Worker Collective podcast from Young People's Ministries. You don't have to be in ministry alone with resources, coaching, games, and more at umcyoungpeople.com. Reverend Tripp Lowry is the Director of Young Adult Ministry, Discernment, and Enlistment at the General Board of Higher Education and Ministry. Uh, Tripp helps organize and administrate the Young Clergy Initiative for the United Methodist Church and leads the Planning for Exploration, uh, which is an event specifically designed to help young people explore their calling into ministry. Uh, Exploration usually happens every two years, and uh, Tripp, I may have to ask you, like, maybe what the eventual plans are um, for the next iteration of that event, because I know uh, COVID responses have thrown all of our schedules off. Um, but Trip is also very involved with Surfing for Autism, and that's a very, very cool nonprofit that surfs to raise money for families experiencing autism, hence the name Surfing for Autism. Uh, Trip is now based in Tennessee, but uh, like lots of us, is working from home instead of his office. So Trip, welcome as well. Hey, thanks so much, Chris. I appreciate it. I'm sorry, Trip. Can you uh, t- just tell us a little bit more about Surfing for Autism? It's not exactly what we're doing today, but I- I'd love to hear more. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's um, it's it's an all volunteer organization. My wife she jokes and says I should really be paid to do PR because I spend a lot of my time in ministry talking more about surfing for autism than I do other things that <laughs> that are less entertaining. But it's um, it started about eleven years ago with uh, my wife and another local surfer, and we both have children on the spectrum. And my wife had all these connections with social workers, therapists, um, occupational therapists, speech therapists, um, that kind of crowd. And she's a family therapist herself. And she thought, you know, we it would be great if we had some kind of surfing experience that we could offer kids on the spectrum and families and and we could create this whole ethos around it. Um, it would be open and inclusive and and just warm and welcoming and but she said, I, I, just, I don't know any surfers. And we lived on the Outer Banks at the time. And yeah, it was just it's barrier islands off the coast of North Carolina. And um, at the same time, she was having those thoughts. There was someone else in the community who was talking with a local church pastor friend that, that we had in common. And he was telling this, this other friend, you know, he said, you know, I really want to be a part of this, this surfing experience. I want to create something where we can have surfers and kids on the spectrum get together and have this shared experience and create an ethos that's open and da 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 da. And uh, our pastor friend said, "Really, you, Mark, need to talk to Eileen, my wife." And said, "I I think you guys have something in common." So they got together at, at a local coffee shop and they were both dreaming of the same thing. But he knew all the surfers and knew no therapists, and she knew all the therapists and didn't know any surfers and. And it was just kind of a, a perfect storm. And so they, they put this event on every August and it brings uh, kids from the local community out to Nags Head and, and they get to surf with some surfers, some of which are professional surfers that are sponsored by Quicksilver and Hurley and Volcom and Patagonia. And it's, it's just amazing. The Outer Bank seems to be where, where professional surfers go to, to retire. Um, so it's, it's a lot of fun. So it, it's pretty cool. Even the first year we had it, one of the surfers um, who was going to help us out had to cancel because he had to go do a photo shoot with a surfing magazine in, in Fiji. So it's a hard life. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, we, so, we pitied we pitied him about this much, but <laughs> so the Outer Banks is to surfers for retirement as Lake Junaluska is to United Methodists in retirement. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But professional surfers retire like in their late twenties, so it's it's that kind of a community. It's a lot of fun. That's awesome. So, yeah, it's it's great. It is a fantastic fantastic organization and they they raise money so they can provide this thing for free and then that money some of the money goes back to put on the event in the future and and some goes back into the community to help with with autism awareness and resources and trainings and that kind of stuff it's it's pretty amazing that's cool so can you for those of us who are not um, super familiar can you tell us what the explore calling event is uh yeah um exploration is uh, vocational discernment event for youth and young adults 18 to 26 ish um, that happens every two years and it's meant for students who are feeling called into some kind of church leadership but they're not sure what it is and it may be ordained it may be licensed credentialed in some other way it may be lay ministry it may be mission oriented which could include both and they're just they feel called to lead and they don't know how to do that. So exploration is designed to focus on call discernment towards leadership and what that can look like. So the the students are engaged with, with small group conversations and speakers and, and breakout sessions with other seminary students who are struggling with the same kind of thoughts. And, and they're introduced to different ways they can live into their call. Um, they're shown examples of, of campus ministry and missionaries and what a deacon is and an elder and licensed local pastors and military chaplains. And I mean, these are all exciting ways you can live out your, your call to leadership. So it's, it's really exciting. It's, um, it, it gives you a lot of hope because most of the, the year we're told uh, the church is dying and we don't have any young people feeling called and it's just doom and gloom. And so we get to, go to this one place where you're surrounded by kids that are just excited about what God's doing in their life and how they can respond. And they're curious and passionate and, and you get to help them and take that next faithful step into to where God's calling them to go. So it, it, it gives you a lot of hope for the future. Yeah. There, there are tons of passionate, gifted students that are called into church leadership. Um, so it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And I know that, you know, one of the things that uh, you and I worked on before is the explore calling. There's a couple of curriculum pieces that youth workers and uh, college workers can use. Um, I guess churches in general can use uh, mm. to help people explore that. Can you talk a little bit about um, those resources that you have to help, you know, yeah. if nothing else, <clears throat> give people a couple of weeks without having to plan <laughs> what's happening this week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's um, what, what Jeremy's referring to is the, it's called called. That's the name of the resource um, called. You can, you can check it out at uh, explorecalling.org. That's the website for vocational sermon for GBHU. Um, but we were discovering that churches were interested in, in helping students and young adults figure out what their call is, but they weren't resourced to do it well in a lot of places. So we put together this resource that works with children um, in preschool, kindergarten, all the way through young adults and uh, even older adults 
to spend probably four weeks focused on vocational discernment. And it's it ties in worship with small groups, with Sunday school, with um, retreat curriculum. It's it is a really broad reaching piece that that brings it all together into one common conversation. So you could be preaching on the same topic that's being discussed in Sunday school that's has guiding questions in the bulletin that you go home and discuss as a family because the Sunday school for your 10-year-old is the same topic but done in a different way as the Sunday school class for your 11th grader. So it's it kind of gets this synergy around vocation and call. And and Jeremy was one of the brilliant writers to help help put that together. And and the material that, that Jeremy did was was absolutely fantastic. The children's curriculum is also um, just amazing. Um, the children's curriculum involves like all five senses. Um, it's mm-hmm. it's almost like vacation Bible school um, for for children because we were finding that vocational discernment really needs to start younger. Yeah. So we wanted to put something together that included material for children, not just youth and young adults. Yeah. Well, that's, um, that was a, a great thing. And I've actually, we've used it a couple of different times in different ways, different parts of it um, over the years. And it's, it, I really, uh, I really appreciate that both with our adults and children and youth. So um at explorecalling.org, you can you can see the called curriculum, but you can also see a new resource. We've got this discernment journal that's also set up for oh, yeah. youth and young adults. Um, it is it's an amazing resource as well. It's not just a journal that's got blank pages in it that, that you kind of write down your thoughts. This is a guided experience to help you think through what it means to listen, discern, and respond to God's call. Um, whether it's the ordained leadership or lay leadership. Um, but just why call is important and how can you listen? And so you get sample, um, you get guided meditations, you get um, prompting questions. You're asked to draw pictures and think about scripture and find something in the newspaper and interview a neighbor. And, and so, but it's, it's about 150 pages of completely different kinds of activities that, that Dale Fredrickson helped us put together. Um, so that resource is also available. You can see samples of that and called at explorecalling.org. Well, Trip, thank you for being here. We're going to take a moment and transition into our devotion time. So I wanted to focus just on this simple scripture that that we've heard probably a million times since we were we were children. Um, but Psalm one eighteen twenty four, um, this is the day the Lord has made, and we should rejoice and celebrate it. That I'm I've been spending a lot of time in neuroscience research, um, just because it's, you know, it's a side interest of mine. Um, but neuroscience tells us that, that our brains are, they tend to hang on to negative thoughts longer than we do positive thoughts. Uh, one, one way uh, a researcher described it is your brain is Velcro to negative thoughts and in Teflon to positive thoughts. Um, and that's just that's just the way we're designed. There's a reason for it. Our brains are are wired to hang on to negative thoughts because we're supposed to we're supposed to learn from negative thoughts so that we don't make those mistakes again. It's evolution at at its finest. But hanging on to negative thoughts is supposed to improve our chances of survival. 
Um, but that's, that's really not all that it does. Um, the neural pathways in, in our brain, uh, they want to be helpful. So they tend to strengthen pathways that carry the thoughts that we use the most so that we can access those easier and easier and easier. So uh, fun fact one, our brains hang on to negative thoughts longer than they do positive thoughts. That's a fact. Um, fun fact two, uh, the thoughts that we hang on to the most become easier to access and eventually they become our default way of thinking. So if we put both of those uh, facts together, you end up with um, honestly just a lot of depressed people uh, because that's just how we're wired. And we spent so much time lately as a church thinking about this denominational dumpster fire that we're in, the, the split, the, the impending death tsunami, anxiety over church structure and agency restructure and all these, these anxious and, and fearful thoughts are becoming our default because we spend so much time thinking about these things, thinking about bad news and, and just dark things that it becomes our natural default. And I know when I'm asked about the church, the first thoughts that, that I have are um, chaos and confusion and conflict, but that's not the whole story about what the church is doing. There is some good news. Um, if we just spend some time thinking about um, the bad news, we, we forget that there are good things going on. So here is another Interesting fact, fact number three, our brains will start to hang on to positive thoughts if we hold on to those thoughts for longer than 20 seconds. Let's say that again. Our brains will hang on to positive thoughts if we can sit with those thoughts for at least 20 seconds. If we can think positive things, if we can remember positive things, if we can, if we can celebrate and rejoice in positive things, not just as a fleeting thought, but if we just, if we can just sit there and hang on to those positive things for at least 20 seconds, they tend to stick. They stick. And if we can get these things to stick, we can strengthen those positive neural pathways. And our brain will start to default toward positive thinking. If we can spend time remembering positive things, thinking positive things. And so we should spend time every day, every day, every time we get together, every time um, we have a devotion. If, if you can just, if you can just sit and think about positive things, not just warm, fuzzy things that you've made up and imaginary things, but hang on to real positive things in your life, real things that you've experienced, good news that you've heard of. You just hang on to those for at least 20 seconds. Your brain will start to think about those things more often. We need to spend time with, with our students. We need to spend time with clergy. We need to spend intentional time focused on good news. Because people, people are worth struggling for. Um, creation is worthy of redemption. Jesus loves us enough to die for us. That we can be in the midst of a dumpster fire, but the world and the people in it are 
are too valuable to just walk away from and forget. So we need to focus on good things and remember good things and strengthen those those positive neural pathways. So that when we're faced with adversity and chaos and frustration and failure, we won't go immediately dark with our thoughts. Instead, we'll remember uh, John 1, 5, that we'll remember that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can't overcome it. That there are good things. There are positive things in this world. Instead, we'll remember that the kingdom of God is advancing and the people whom God loves are valuable and, and they're worthy of our love as well. And instead of going dark, we'll remember that God continues to fill the empty. God continues to make whole the broken, that there is good news still to be shared. So I just, I wanted to spend just a few, a few minutes hearing just amongst the people that, that can share just what are some good things that are happening? where you are? What are some good things that, that you've seen in your life? And it can be related to the church. It can be related to uh, the neighbor's dog, a flower that, that, that's working for you, a great meal that you've had. Maybe you've had the, uh, the ghost pepper donut from Duncan and it moved your spirit in powerful ways. Um, <clears throat> or maybe it still burns in the back of your throat a little bit, but just some, some good news. What are some good things that are happening in the world around you? And Trip, I don't mind going first. Um, you know, this last week, um, my mother-in-law has been here. Um, and it is the first time that she's gotten to see, you know, my kids, um, her grandkids in uh, nearly a year because of canceled travel plans. They live out in Colorado. We live in Tennessee. Um, and so watching that bond um, that got reinforced, you know, between my nine-year-old, my six-year-old, and uh, their grandmother really is pretty awesome. Um, and then my wife, Emily, um, you know, getting to see her spend some time with her mom as well. Um, Emily is one of seven kids, and so she never got, like, one-on-one -on -one time with a parent. And so even till today, right, like, she finds it incredibly valuable just to have some, like, one-on-one -on -one time with her mom. And that's been great. Anybody else? I guess I'll go next. Uh, <laughs> I would say, uh, and for all of us on the line, um, we were used to a very hectic travel schedule and serving many communities and many congregations. Um, and as a mom of a, a, a young son and as a wife, I spent most of my time away from home. Uh, and I am relishing the opportunity to see my toddler talking and forming sentences and discovering the world and seeing the world through his eyes in a way that I didn't get to bask in because I was out of town every other week or um, uh, busy working um, and in other contexts. Um, so I'm really enjoying uh, just that experience of not only raising a child that's now a, a walking, talking human being, um, uh, but seeing the world through his eyes as he discovers um, all of these um, amazing new um, experiences. Hanging on to, to positive things is is difficult sometimes just because we're... I don't know, we're so wired to to remember negative things. 
Um, so I'd encourage you to spend some time today. Take, take some time at the end of the day and remember something good. Where did you see God move? Where did you see something that inspired you or um, a, a good food that you ate or a great picture you saw or just some positive thought? so that we're not so entrenched with with negativity and in darkness because that's that's just honestly it's not the reality of the world there are good things and it's not the reality of god because god is good um so um let's just spend and i know uh, we may not be sharing out loud but i like to spend just 20 seconds just think of a positive thing and hang on to it for 20 seconds Starting 20 seconds, go. All right, good stuff. Good stuff. It's just 20 seconds. Just 20 seconds. Um, Remember, this is the day the Lord has made, and we should rejoice and celebrate because it's good. So you talked a little bit about holding on to those thoughts. Um, what are some, like, how do you do that? How, how have you, how have you, like, really nuts and bolts speaking? Like, how have you incorporated that it's um it's something i have to be really intentional about um because and honestly my wife is is a godsend she's an absolute angel and um i'm blessed to be married to a therapist so that's <laughs> it's, a, it's a good thing but so i'm constantly being told um like if you're going to complain about this thing at work or complain about this person or whine about traffic. I'll, I'll let you whine about it, but I want to hear three good things that happened today. Three good things or you can't complain about what's for dinner. Um, unless you can say three nice things about what's for dinner <laughs> and say, so it's just, it's, it's being intentional. It's constantly being told. Um, you've got, you've got to remember these things. You've got to remember these good things. And and so I've, I've, I've tried to build that into my morning. I've tried to build that into the time at lunch and at night and just kind of remembering something good because I'm just like everybody else. I, I default dark. Um, mm-hmm. I, I tend to be critical. I enjoy editing things because you're just finding mistakes and fixing them. And, and to me, that's, that's what, it, that's what being critical and, and, um, and being negative for me, that's how I would spin it. It's I, I'm not so much negative. I'm I'm trying to find broken things and fix them. I'm trying to make the world better. But to do that, you have to identify all the things that need to be fixed first. And <laughs> so I would I would spin it that way. And and my wife would constantly remind me and say, "Well, you you I mean, you're really good at pointing out all these broken things, but." I mean, one, you can't fix all of them, and two, there are good things. You've got to remember these are good mm-hmm. things, and. Um, I know there's a lot of a lot of clergy health programs that are being made available at annual conferences. I try to take advantage of those. Um, I'm I'm actually a part of one right now that wraps next week. That's that's focused on this kind of work. Um, 
So every couple of years, I try to be intentional about going through some kind of process, reading a book, being in some kind of group that's going to help. Um, it's going to help me make good mental decisions and create new habits and that kind of thing. Um, something that that I also heard that was is really powerful for me that people that get the most frustrated with the world, um, they get most frustrated with how broken everything is and the people that tend to, to get the darkest, those are also people who have the most hope that things can be better and that they should be better. And that's where a lot of the frustration comes in. I'm so angry um, that this is broken because it could be so much better. That we're not just negative, sad people. That we're people filled with so much hope that the world should be different. Yeah. And so I, I constantly have to remind myself, hang on to the good things too. It's hang on to that hope. Let's talk about the hope and not so much the brokenness all the time. But yeah. because the world should be different. So what should the world look like? And where do you see God breaking through? And and hang on to those moments so that you can remember. I mean, this is what we're all striving for. Yeah. So kind of transitioning it into our work life. Um, how does this affect how we approach uh, working with youth and young adults uh, yeah. in our day to day? Oh, I, um, when you said work life, the first thing I thought of um, or the recent uh, clergy age trend report that came out um, because immediately we're, we're told dark despair we're in this downfall um, and the church is going to die. It just horrible, horrible, dark things. And so part of what I try to do with my work is instead of focusing on kind of what seems to be broken, asking different kinds of questions. Why is it this way? Why, why are the numbers the way they are? Where are the numbers increasing? Because they're not all decreasing. They're increasing in some areas. So right. why are they increasing over here with deacons and licensed local pastors and, and not with elders? I mean, what, where is God moving? Because God is moving. You know, we have a young clergy shortage, not a call shortage. Where is, where is God right. doing things in the lives of youth and young adults? And then, and then trying to learn from that and, and hang on to that and help those students understand how can you fit into, into this new church? How can you help shape the church into the way it needs to be? Because this is this is God working in the life of of someone who's going to lead the church one day. Mm-hmm. So how can we prepare the church now for these new leaders that are coming in to lead in a new way and a new context and go in a different direction? And so that's yeah. that's what I try to focus on when I'm working with youth and young adults. Is where's God moving in your life? What can I learn from that? And how can I take what I'm learning from you and share that with boards of ordained ministry and the people that are doing the credentialing and in, in the appointment making and, and tell them, and God is doing this new thing. Mm-hmm. And do you not behold it? Because you probably don't. Let me tell you the story about John and Sally. And yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's important for us to uh, be the people who are lifting up those positive stories in our, in our own churches, mm-hmm. right. That, um, the idea that that there would be at least one person on staff, whether they're getting paid to be on staff or not, <laughs> and there'd be one person on the team that is pointing out the positive things in the meetings, 
right? Yeah. Is is saying, okay, yeah, I, I get it. People started coming online. There's less people coming online now. That's not a surprise. But let me tell you a good story about something that's happened because of this, right? Let let me tell you something, a bright light, or or maybe it has nothing to do with your church min- ministry, but it has something to do with your church member, right? Some kid in your church that did something good. And and I, I was talking to a friend the other day who was just, his story about something good wasn't like they started a 501c3 to end world hunger. It was they, <laughs> uh, this kid, this weird kid showed up to youth group that was acting very not normal and another kid was kind to him and no one picked on him. And, uh, you know, I think, I think what your words to us, like when I'm, when I'm hearing them, I'm saying, I need to be that person. I need to be that person that's lifting yeah. up those hopeful stories. Yeah. yeah. One of the, um, one of the cooler stories that came out of exploration. Um, and I love sharing the story. It happened uh, maybe two or three explorations ago. Um, we had a person on our design team that had a connection with a rural church in the Midwest. And it, it was filled with an aging population. There were no youth, no students at this church. And they were sharing stories with the design team member about how they, they don't see the church growing. They don't see a hopeful future for the church. They don't see young people alive in the church or called anymore in the church. And it was a very sad kind of conversation. And then we hear at Exploration, when we get these students together, um, why, why doesn't the church love us? Why, where do we fit in? And, and no one's excited to have us. And we feel called to leadership, but don't know what to do. And so this design team member brought this idea of connecting those two conversations. So he had the church in the Midwest make um, quilting squares, little prayer quilting squares that had a message, a little cross on the inside and and a message on the outside. And it was made by this, this, this older aging population in this small rural church, because he told them, you know, you may not see it in your church, but there are other places where youth are excited and passionate about the church and feel called into leadership and are going to do amazing, wonderful things. And it's going to, and we're talking about it this, this event in Orlando. And so can you make these things so that we can give them to students? And so at that exploration, when they would come to the, the, um, the devotion space that was set aside, those students were given these prayer squares and were told now, you may not feel loved where you are or understood it where you are in church, but there are people that you don't even know who will never meet you and will never know you that are thinking about you and praying for you because you're bringing life to them. And so trying to, to make those connections um, between you know, people feeling sad and dark and saying, you know, there's some good news and how can we connect those stories and, um, and I, I, I just, I love, I've even, I've got one of those squares that, that I held on to just to remind me, we can still do good, amazing, powerful things. And, and that there, there's good news. There's good news in the church. 